May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Okay. A little bit of memories, just a little bit. remember the days when we would gather together for worship all of us the church would be packed we'd celebrate the Lord's Supper together and then we'd go downstairs for a wonderful potluck and we'd visit Psalm 122 says I was glad when they said to me let us go to the house of the Lord now I'm not one to reminisce about the good old days and I had a hard time finding some pictures but I remember a day, a long time ago, when every Sunday, there was a time when every Sunday, there was someone new in church. And I thought about that. And hey, that could be today. As we come back to worship. As we think about starting coming back to the church. Now, I know it's, it's a little wishful thinking, but soon we will get back, not to normal, but to something new that the Lord has planned for his people. And one thing we learn from the Bible is that change is inevitable, but God's faithfulness never changes. It reminds me of our Old Testament reading from Nehemiah, Nehemiah which we're going to look at closely today. Just a little reminder of God's dealing with his people. And just think about this real quick. He saved Noah and his family from a worldwide flood. He saved Jacob and his family from famine and brought them to Egypt. He delivered his people from the slavery of Pharaoh. He brought them to the promised land. He gave them kings. The people rebelled, even lost the book of God's law for a while. Then they were taken into captivity by the Babylonians in about 587. Jerusalem and the temple destroyed captivity in a place that they have never been before. And I wonder what that might have been like. Well, Psalm 137 reminisces about what it was like in captivity. 
Do anybody of you know the words to Psalm 137? Well, actually, you do know them. By the rivers of Babylon, yep. Where we sat Take a look at that picture. They just play their musical instruments. They're sad. Now, what we are experiencing today does not even come close to what those dear people experienced back in 500 BC. But as we learn from the Word of God, the story always continues. The story always continues with God. So what I want to do today is give you a little hope. I mean, change is inevitable, but as we learn, Psalm 100, the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And his love we find in his word. So, a little bit of background from about Nehemiah, Babylonian captivity. The Jewish people were taken captivity about to Babylon in about 587 by Nebuchadnezzar. Then the Persian king Cyrus defeats the Babylonians and allows the Jews to return. Starting around 516 BC and there were different waves, the temple was rebuilt. And Ezra, the scribe and priest, starts to restore the worship life and traditions of the people. Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer in King Cyrus's palace, like that's a comfy and very important job, asked if he could go back to his home and rebuild Jerusalem. And he did. The second temple got rebuilt. He becomes governor and he rebuilds. Nehemiah rebuilds the walls and the gates around Jerusalem. So what we have recorded in Nehemiah, which not many of you have maybe read, is the beginning of life after captivity. <laughs> and wow, is it full of hope. And I want you to see the similarities from way back then to our day and age. Not just see the similarities, but I want you to feel the hope and the excitement and ultimately the joy as they gather together around the word of God. This is the church where the word of God is and where God's people gather, we call that the church. And this is what the church has done for centuries and will do to the end of time, right? Because Matthew tells us, Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So here we go in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. All the people assembled. Notice all the people. Not just some, but all. As one man united 
All there for the same reason. One faith, one Lord, one baptism. They, they gathered in the square before the water gate. Now there were lots of gates around the city of Jerusalem that needed to be repaired. This probably was like the last one that needed to be repaired. So they, they got together to celebrate. Symbol of security. Called Watergate. We gather before the baptismal font, symbol of water, and security. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, right? They told Ezra the scribe, they told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. They told, this is like a pastor's dream. The people were hungering and thirsting to hear a word from their creator. Why? Well, because they had been in captivity for so long. They were yearning for some good news. Ezra, the scribe and priest, brings out the book of the law of Moses, this would be the first five books of the Bible which has their history and God's constant provision for his people. They wanted to know that God was still for them. They wanted hope. They begged their leaders to bring them God's word. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly. Today, we, the pastors, bring God's word to you. You call us to do that. But hey, don't just call us once. No. Beg us to teach you the word of God. All that God has revealed to you, commands and promises, the law and the gospel, it was a big deal back then, and it is still a big deal today. The assembly, which was made up of, look at that, men and women and all who were able to understand. Same today. Gathered together to hear the reading of God's word. And notice the similarities. And he read it aloud. The word of God is read aloud, just like we do today. And then it says, from daybreak till noon. Notice they gathered in the morning. That's why we sang that first hymn. Early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee. They gathered all morning. <laughs> why the morning? Why not gather in the evening? Why the morning? Because the important things in your day, priorities, you do first before the day gets away from you. And you take care of your most important relationship first, time with God. And so often we complain about the length of the sermon or the length of the service from daybreak till noon, 
See, you can't put the creator in a box. And it says, to those who could understand, the word of God was read in the language of the people so they could understand. The priest and scribe Ezra read from the word of God because as a priest and a scribe, he studied it. He copied it. He could understand it the best. And he spoke in a language that they could understand. Please remember that these people had been living in a foreign country for generations. So what likely happened? They might have started to lose their language. Ezra was doing some translating and some interpreting, making unfamiliar words clear. Same thing pastors do today. We also know that the law, way back, was written in Hebrew. And many of the people now were starting to speak Aramaic, a close cousin to the language, but a little bit different. And I love this part. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Wow. Best present ever. What does it mean to listen attentively? Carefully? Seeking to understand? Engaged? Focused? With purpose? Why? Why were they so attentive to the reading of the Word of God? Because who did they believe was speaking to them? Not some guy but God himself. And look at verse 4. Ezra the scribe, their pastor, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Okay, I have to have a little fun with this. Look at that pulpit. Can you see the pastor in there? He's in there somewhere. That's seriously high. Okay, that's from uh, one of our churches in Frankenmuth, Michigan. Leave it to German engineering to over-engineer the height of the platform. Kind of funny. Seriously, that is why we to this day have steps up to the front. The chancel area. That's why we have pulpits and lecterns where we can read the word of God from or proclaim it. We don't have to have these things, but I want you to know that they came about from a, a long, old tradition. And then in verse 5, Ezra opened the book, and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. Maybe? Maybe Ezra was short. Who knows? Not the point. But he's elevated. It was very important and still is that the speaker, the reader of the word of God, could be heard clearly. And that's why someone a long time ago made a stool for like shorter pastors right <laughs> out of wood it's interesting 
Very interesting. That's why, by the way, we invested a lot, of, a lot into a good sound system and hearing assist devices like headphones and good microphones and good speakers, etc. Now watch this. As he opened it, and it was actually a scroll, not a book. It was a scroll. But as he opened it, the people all stood up. Okay, we have to at least practice this, okay? So humor me, if you will, and let's try this. Okay? See what happens. Very good. But see, that was their way of honoring what was about to happen. Okay? You may be seated. Okay, just one more time. Okay? Like, honestly, I would love it if you may be seated. If we didn't have to say stand, we could just open the book and everybody stood. Man. Anyway, as he opened the scroll, you could hear the gasp from the people. The word of God is going to be read. The people stood up. Why? Why would you stand up? Out of respect. Out of reverence, you stand. To hear better, you stand. Something very important is about to happen. You stand to receive it. We do this when the gospel is read, right? And verse 6, Ezra, praise the Lord, the great God. And we do that too in the prayer before the reading. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, amen. They responded not just with their mouths, but also with their bodies, standing and lifting their hands in the air and shouting, Amen. Let's just try that Amen part, okay? Let's try that. Where, where is Amen? There it is. Amen. With a hand in the air. Amen. Yes. Yes, it shall be so. See, it's more than just a prayer tag. And why twice? Because when something important is about to be said, just remember the words of Jesus, right? How many times he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly, truly, I say unto you. Verse 6 again, Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Wow. They bow down and worship. Literally means they prostrated themselves. They worshiped God with their whole being. And there's a lesson in that. Faces to the ground in the presence of God in his word. Dust you are, and unto dust shall you return. The absolute reverence they had to the word of God and the reading thereof. And there's a lesson in that for us. And verse 7, the Levites instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. And verse 8, they read from the book of the law, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. 
There you go. Those people needed help understanding God's word, and so do you. That is why God gave, right, Ephesians? He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. It was the Levitical priest's job to teach the word of God to the people so they could understand it. And this was done in the assembly. And then verse 9. Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, double duty, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. It was sacred, sacred, holy, set apart, unlike any other, special. How can a day be called sacred? Because it is the day, it is the time when God visits his people through his word. Unlike any other time. Thessalonians tells us our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power. See, the Holy Spirit works through the word to bring deep conviction. Comes through us through the word of God. We're not just hearing simple words. The Holy Spirit of God himself is coming to us. This is what I'm trying to teach you today. And in verse 9, the day of rest and worship, this time we set aside to assemble to hear God's word. It is sacred, and it's not sacred for our sake. Oh, no. It's sacred to the Lord, your God. The Lord, your God. Lord meaning master, boss, sir. God meaning creator, maker, Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim. Not just any God, but your God and Savior, and this is your offering of time and attention to your God. This is what the children of God do. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Weeping. Emotional. Worship is going to get emotional sometimes. When you apply what you hear to yourself, it should get emotional. Your creator and savior is talking to you. But why were they weeping? That God Almighty would speak to them? That God Almighty would communicate to them? That God would count them worthy to hear his instructions and his promises? See, that was the big difference between foreign gods and the true God man-made gods, and the true God. Big difference, Jeremiah tells us. Like a scarecrow in a melon patch, <laughs> their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them. They can do you no harm. They can do no good. We worship the true God, and he speaks. And what a privilege and what an honor. And in verse 9... Maybe they were crying because of what it said. Think about it. Do you cry when you hear the word of God? Does God's law cut 
to the heart of the matter for you? Does it make you sorry for the way you have lived and the things you have done? And you weep in sadness because you've sinned against the very one who made you and then saved you? I hope you are so sorry for your sins you never want to sin again. Or, and, do you weep with tears of joy because God so loved you that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live for you the life you could never live and then to die the death you should have died so you could live? Or do you weep because the Holy Spirit gave you faith to believe? Is that why you cry? Fear not. Psalm 30, verse 5. His anger lasts for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And then it says, because Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food. That's delicious, festive food prepared with much fat. I wonder what that could be. And sweet drinks, like wine. It sounds like a celebration to me, like a potluck. Potluck. You've heard from your, you've heard from your Savior and your God that your sins have been forgiven. He's told you how you should then live in light of the good news. It's time to celebrate and send some to those who have nothing prepared. So whenever you celebrate a big meal, always be mindful of the wants and needs of others. Share leftovers with the poor. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't know about you, but worship was very emotional back then. When you've been cooped up for so long, restricted from gathering, feeling like a captive, I hope that you will see what is in store for you, especially as you come out of captivity and start again to live in the freedom of his salvation. You've got a lot to celebrate, dear people of God. God speaks to you. He listens to you. And he loves you as his very own. You bring him joy. And this important reminder, I love that verse, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Not the joy of this world. Not the joy of family or friends or good days or bad days. Not the joy of a career or of an accomplishment. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If we're going to start anew, if we're going to go from captivity to freedom, if we are going to go from sorrow to joy, if we're going to rebuild, if we're going to meet the changes, and they're coming, and challenges of the day, we will need to have a sacred and high regard for the word of God. This is what God is teaching us it is his word that sustains us, and it is his word that fills us with his joy and his strength. May it be so. Amen.